Well, that's what we're going to start talking about today. And we're going to talk about this for the next month or six or, well, who knows? Who knows? Well, who knows when God's going to have us be done with this? But in Luke 15, starting in verse 11, it says this. It says, he also, it says, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of my estate I have coming to me. Somebody say inheritance. Inheritance. So he distributed the assets to them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had and traveled to a district, distant country where he squandered his estate, somebody say inheritance, inheritance, in foolish living. After he had spent everything, a severe famine struck that country. And he had nothing. Then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. He longed to eat his fill from the pods that the pigs were eating. No one would give him anything. Let's pray. God, we ask you, we thank you, Jesus, for what you've done here in this year. And God, I pray that as I destroy things, that you would be with us today. God, I pray that you would take my clumsy foolishness, take anything that I would have to say out, and Spirit, speak through me. Speak your words to your people. In your name I pray. Amen. So, in this verse, in this passage, this is called the parable, we call this the parable of the prodigal son. Right? So, in, in Scripture, this is actually part of three parables that Jesus taught at one time. And the first one is the parable of the lost, uh, the lost sheep, where he says, who would not leave that, who would not leave the 99 and go after the one? Then it's the parable of the lost coin, where it says, a, lady, a, a, a widow had Ten silver coins. She loses one of them. How many? How many knows she's going to clean everything in her house until she finds it? Then she's going to throw a party. And then we have the parable of the lost son, the parable of the prodigal son. Now, prodigal is the word is only used one time in scripture here in this story. And what it means is literally this: it means someone who wastes what has been given to them. Oh, that rings true in my life. So hard. I mean, I, I, yeah. Ooh. I've wasted so many opportunities. I've wasted so many things. But this gets good. So, notice that in, in the first verse of, uh, of chapter 15, it says, and I didn't read this, but I'm going to read it down. It says, All the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes were complaining. So notice that he's got tax collectors and sinners. Now, in that day, apparently a tax collector was worse than like was worse sinner than everybody else. And how many of that's probably still true today? There we go. All right. So, so he had been taxing the dirty rotten sneaking tax collectors and the rest of the sinners. So just we just just make note of that. And the Pharisees and the scribes. So there's the dynamic we have here. And that's important when we start getting into this parable. 
Come on, yeah. See, good. I like, I'm glad you were here. You don't know. Alright, so, first thing we notice that he had demanded his inheritance early. Okay? How it is not normal. If my son were to come to me right now and say, hey, Dad, give me everything I own. Well, one thing you wouldn't get anything. But secondly, that's not that's not how this thing is done, right? Normally, there, with the inheritance, there is a will and testament. There is a reading of the will and testament. There is, and then and then it is divided the way it is. And in this culture, it would have been yeah, kind of the same. The father was supposed to die before you get your stuff. You know, until then, you're still living under the shadow of the father, which is bold. I'm glad I'm still living under the shadow of the Father, right? Amen. Amen. So, he demanded his inheritance early. The Father was generous and gave it to him. Moved him to a Gentile country. He moved to a Gentile. So, now we're assuming that this man is Jewish, right? Because he's talking to a bunch of Jews. So everybody's going to, and their mindset is going to say that this kid is Jewish. And they're going to relate it to themselves. So, one, for a Jew to live outside of Israel was like a bad Okay, but then to go live with the Gentiles who were the scum of the earth in their view, because I mean, they were for the Gentiles, by the way. But in their view, they were they were wasteful people. They were wanton. They wanted nothing to do with them. They would they would walk. They would go completely out of their way to not talk to them. And he wasted his money entertaining the Gentiles. Okay, that's important. Then all of a sudden. A famine hit the country. And, and he spent all his time partying and carousing and hitting up the bars and hitting up the nightclubs and hitting up, um, as we will later find out, the prostitutes. Because the brother, the brother, the brother comes into the story here in a little bit. And says, but he wasted, he wasted it all! Mm. So what should have sustained him when the famine hit what was supposed to carry him through, he wasted on worldly things. He wasted it. How many know? I, I don't know about you, but that rings true in my life. That sometimes there's been there's been times that God extended His grace to me, and I said, "Yeah, that's great," but I want to go over here with my friends. And I said, "Oh, that's great," but you don't understand how strong this thing is on the inside of me. You don't understand God. Mm. But as long as you have as long as God is on trial, as long as God is on trial, the most part about it, the fact that He is good, you're always going to have problems. But once you once you come to the realization that God is good, and no matter what the struggle is, no matter what the problem is, He is good, and that no matter how many times we screw up, He is good. And no matter how bad we think the sin is, he is good. And no matter how many how difficult we think the situation is, he is good. But as long as he is on trial in your heart, to whether he is good, to whether he is trustworthy, freedom can't come. So, he ends up working for the Gentiles. Right? Insult number one to a Jewish man. He ends up working for the people that everybody despises. Then he spent his time feeding the pigs. Insult number two. 
You're talking about the lowest of the low for a Jewish man. The lowest of the low. And he longed to be fed from the pig's food. Oh, and I just spent some time here. Time, I don't know about you, but I spent some time in my life eating that pig's food. Looking, looking at it and going, man, that looks good. But you realize, you know what the, they would have fed the pigs? Corn husks. You know how much nourishment is in corn husks? Nothing. The only thing that corn husks are good for is to quiet the hunger. It's not going to sustain you. It's not going to keep you. You are still going to lose weight. You are still going to be malnourished, but it is going to quiet the hunger. And the one thing that we cannot lose is our hunger. Because when we lose our hunger, we lose everything. Because God will use our hunger to call us back. When we decide to say, when we say, when we want to walk the other way, we want to say, man, going down there looks good. Man, looking at that looks good. And doing all this, it quiets the hunger. It quiets the hunger. Because we just, just eat those corn husks down. Insult number four. When no one would give him anything. But how many know that's the grace of God? Sometimes the grace of God is getting caught in your sin. Sometimes the grace, of, the grace of God is going to is going to slap you right upside the head and say, "What are you doing? What are you thinking?" That's the grace of God, and, it's, and we don't like it. I don't like it. Whew, that's where I've been. Trust me, that's where I've been. Turn with me over Romans, seventh chapter. Starting in verse 19, it says this. It says, For I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I do not want to do. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, I am no longer the one that does it, but it is the sin that lives within me. Let me tell you now, there is a law of sin. It's called the law of sin and death, and it is powerful. There is a law of sin and death, and it is powerful. Because what sin does is sin says it's not that bad. What did sin do in the garden? Sin looked at sin, the devil looked at Eve and said it's not that bad. It's just, you're just gonna be like God, that's it. It's a big, it's a big deal. It's not that big a deal. It's just a it, just one, it's just it's just one hit of marijuana. It's not gonna kill you. It's just, it's just one sip of alcohol. It's not gonna kill you. It's just one look. It won't kill you. Then it gets a took in, right? Well, I know it's been there, right? I, I know the vast majority of your story. We've been there. Then it gets a took in. And then something about it says, I mm, how did I start smoking crack cocaine? It started with one hit. How did I end up looking at all this stuff? I started with just an incidental glance. How did I? Why am I putting this needle in my arm? It just, why am I cussing my boss out? It just started with, it just started with being a life. But then all of a sudden, we're sitting there, we, we're, we're, we're 10, 15, 20, 30 years down the road, and we go, how did I get here? What happened? Because there is a law of sin. 
and it is powerful. And the Bible says, I don't do it, but it is sin that lives within me. But you give sin the opportunity. You open up. I'm going to read a little bit further. I don't have this on the screen, but just listen. It says in verse 21, So I discovered this law. When I want to do what is good, evil is present within me. How many have ever had that sound? I want to do it. I want to quit. I'm going 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 to quit. Then the next thing you know, you're smoking it, you're doing it, you're rolling it, you're doing whatever. The next day. The next, the, the next minute, the next day, whatever. But we'll do it again, right? For my inner self, I delight in God's law. But I see a different law in the parts of my body. All right, so there's two parts we're talking about right now. We've got our inner self, mind, soul, heart, right? And we got the members of our flesh. This is what Paul's talking about. He says, but I see the, a different law in the parts of my body, waging war against the law of my mind. So I sit here and I say, I'm going to read my Bible. And then 5 o'clock in the morning comes and my body screams and says, you're too tired, go back to sleep. Come on now. It says, I get up and, I, and, and I'm, I'm going to get up and I'm going to pray. But my mind's foggy and I can't do it. So go back to sleep, you're going to be fine. Or, or, or take that hit and it'll wake you up. Come on now. But I see a different law in the parts of my body waging war against the law of my mind and taking me prisoner to the law of sin in the parts of my body. What a wretched man I am. There is a law of sin, and it is powerful. Point number two. Sin cannot be overcome by self-will. You can't do it by yourself. Period. You once sin gets its once sin gets its hooks inside of you, that's it. You're, you're hooked. You're caught. Sin cannot be overcome by self will Luke 15, 17. It says this. It says, Actually, I'm sorry, it's 15 minutes. It says, when the young man, prodigal, came to his senses, he says, I'll get up and go to my father. I say to my father, notice this, pay attention. I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. In my notes, I wrote this down and I said, I have sinned. I'm no longer worthy, but I'm willing. And a lot of times we find in our life that we come to church, we'll set the pew, but we got inner struggles that we're dealing with. We got inner conflicts that, that, are, that are waging against the war of our flesh and the war of our mind and the body and the law of our mind. And we're sitting there and we're waging and we're saying, okay, I'm going to go to church and I'm going to pray that God shows up and takes care of this and deals with it. But we're not ready to get real. We're not ready to get real. Because when we're ready to get real, we will come here and we will say this. We'll say, I've sinned. We'll call sin what it is. We'll say, instead, of, instead of looking at it like, Compromise, 
instead of looking at it like, oh, it's no big deal. Because that's what I did for years. I looked at it and said, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. I'm good. I'm good. I pray. I pray. A little bit of grace. I'm good. Because I took, because I took this and I said, this is me. And I said, for I don't. Well, Paul said, for I don't do the good that I want to do, but I practice evil. You know, I don't work. So I took it. So Paul had this. Paul struggled, so I might not even struggle. That's not what he's saying. See, that's not what he's saying. And I said, I love this. I love this portion of it. He says, he said, I'm going to come to my father, and I'm going to say, I have sinned. I'm not worthy to be your son, but I'm willing to serve. And how many times we're saying, we're not willing to serve the body of God. We're not willing to serve God. We just want to come get our fix and leave. We want to come to church and treat We want to treat church just like we treat everything else. We don't want to come to serve. We want to come to get our fix so that we can go about our day. I did it. I'm preaching to myself right now, okay? If I ain't preaching to anybody else, I'm preaching to myself. But I come to church, I get my fix, and I say, okay, I'm going to try to make it till Wednesday. I'm going to get my Wednesday fix. And then I'm going to try to make it till next Sunday and not fall. But, how, but every time, every time I, I could fall, there wasn't a fix that I could have. There wasn't a fix. Because my father's servants had the bag. There comes a point in our life where we've got to look at compromise, we've got to look at everything in our life, and we've got to say, I said it. Not on how God even sees me as worthy. But I'm willing to come. And if all I do is sit at his feet for the rest of my life, it's all right. If all I do is clean toilets in the church for the rest of my life, that's all I do. If all I do is get up and read my Bible, walk up and down the street, and pray, that's all I need. That's all, you, that's all I am worthy to do. Point number three. The Holy Spirit is a law that sets us free from the law of sin. Romans 8, chapter 1, verse 1. says, Therefore there is now no condemnation. We know for those that are in Christ Jesus. So I looked up this word condemnation. Everybody knows I'm a, I'm a word judge. Condemnation can be, this word condemnation can be transposed as judgment. There is now no judgment for those in Christ Jesus. It's over. It's been dealt with. God judged our sin on the cross. We were dead with Christ. We were buried with him. Because the law of the spirit life. There's two laws. There's the law of sin and death, and there's the spirit of the law. There is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And it has set you free from the law of sin and death. So, how do we say this? Do we say that we no longer struggle with sin anymore? No. Do we say that we no longer deal with temptation? No. Because the Bible says that when you don't, uh, no temptation is necessary to fall in your hand. You're going to fall. You're not going to fall. Correction. 
Satan will still be allowed to tempt you. Let me be clear. However, I believe there is a place in God, there is a place in the spirit of life where we change everything and when we look at it, we become detested. When we see it, we become, when we, when we see compromise, we say, God, move it out of my heart. When we see angry thoughts coming at people, see these things arising, we say, God, rip it out. When we see our desires, we say, God, rip it out. There's a law that we don't have to live according to the law of sin. That I don't have to live bound to everything in my past that is dying. The compromise is dying. Look at, at the Luke, Luke 15, 20, Lord. Check this out. This is cool. So he got up and went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. Oh, come on. He ran, threw his arms around his neck, and kissed him. The son said to him, Now remember, I'm sure the son. From, he was in a different country, so he had a long way to walk. And I'm sure he walked and he was walking like this. And he rehearsed that speech. As we often do sometimes in shop. He rehearsed that speech and he said, And he said, and he walked up to him. Come here, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do this. Can I use you? Here's the one Come here. Come here, I got my heart. Say, Sarah, we're going to role play this out for a second. You're going to be the dad. Because you're a little bit older. You're going to be the dad. And then the son's coming up and he's walking. He's walking like this. He's just lost eyes with And I see him locking eyes with the dad. And he said, I've sinned. I'm not, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Right about that time, dad runs up and wraps him around the neck. It says, it says, it says, stop everything! Stop what you're doing. Go kill. Go kill the fatty cat. Go kill everything. Go, go make preparations to a party because homeboys come home. My son, who was dead, is now alive. My son has come back. He says, as a Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And it says, but the Father said, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. You know what he said? He said, no, nah, you, know, you demonstrated your willingness by coming. You demonstrated your willingness. And I'm not even going to let you finish your speech. Before I tell you that you're still a son. Before I tell you that you're still a daughter. Before I tell you that it doesn't matter how compromised you think your life is. That it doesn't matter how, old, how far down you've gone. You're still a son. You're still a daughter. And the beautiful thing about this is this is. He said you're still a son. You know what being a son entitles him to? An inheritance. Even though he wasted everything. 
in a talisman for their parents. So to walk in freedom. But this unfolded. I'm lost on that. That's a real, it's a real time for this good. To walk in freedom, you must change your mindset. Romans 8, 5 through 8 says this. It says, For those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on the things of the Spirit. Now the mindset of the flesh is death. But the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. The mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it is unable to do so. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, if the Spirit lives in you, Notice it says it's mindset there multiple times. If you change your mindset, as I've told Mohammed, I've said this multiple times, but the word we have for salvation and repentance, we've preached for years, means stop, turn, and go the other way. That's not true. What it really means is to change your mindset. Instead of, because I can't. Because I've proved I can't do it. But what I can do is change my mindset. What I can do is say, I'm going to get up and I'm going to make 5 a.m. read my Bible for a priority. I'm going to get up and I'm going to make Christ a priority. I'm going to pray. And I'm going to say, there's freedom in Christ. And I don't have to live in bondage anymore. I don't have to live there. You know, sometimes we say, we want to be there, we don't have to live there. It doesn't say we're not going to attempt it. It says we don't have to live there. It doesn't say we don't have to walk through the valley of the shadow. This is we have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But it doesn't mean we have to put a residence there and live there. We get to walk through things. I heard a preacher say one time, he said he uh, had somebody that come into counseling and every time they said, Pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. They'd say, Hallelujah. Said, but Pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. Amen. Said, but Pastor, you're not listening to me. You don't know. He said, Why do you keep yelling Amen and Hallelujah every time I tell you what I'm going through? He said, You told me you're going through. You didn't tell me you were going to stay. You said you're going to go through it. There's always going to be struggles. There's always going to be temptation. There's always going to be things. But I'm here to tell you this morning that it doesn't have to always. It doesn't have to end there. It doesn't have to end in failure. It doesn't have to end. Although the enemy would have you believe that it does. The enemy would have you believe that you failed one too many times to be used by God. Mm-hmm. The enemy would have you believe that you can't do it. And, and he's right. You can't. But one thing in the story of the prodigal boys in the is that no matter how much I've wasted, no matter how much of my life I think I may have thrown it down the toilet. Abraham, did you know Abraham 
didn't start his journey until he was 70 years old. I'm, and I'm 31, and I think I've wasted most of my life. You know? And I know most of you older than me say, yeah, Abraham was 70 when he started. And look how he did. Jesus only had a three and a half year ministry on the earth. He went to the 30 when he started. What am I saying? Oh man, he's so God. He's got a 12 when they said, nah. Three and a half years. So look at what the legacy you left. So this morning, I'm I'm losing on that. We, if you have compromise, or one, you don't know Jesus. You don't know Jesus. I'm like, and I think pretty much everybody wants to know this. But if you have compromise, if there are areas that you have said, that's not that big deal. Today is the day to let it go. Because I'm telling you, there's freedom on the other side. There, there's freedom. And you don't have to live there anymore. So as we go into 2018, today's the day to say, I ain't going to deal with that anger issue anymore. Today's the day I ain't going to deal with that, that lust issue anymore. Today's the day that I'm not going to deal with that alcohol. Today's the day I'm not going to deal with that anymore. I'm not going to deal with it. So if that's you, just come forward. We're going to pray for you. Man, listen, if you, you feel like you're in leadership and you can't come forward to pray for that, that's a lie. Black straight to the hell.